You're listening to SM Media, the number one place for exclusive content. Hi everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Scottish Football Show right here on SM Media. I'm Scott McPike, it's an absolute pleasure to be your host as always. I'd like to be joined by, with, we're missing shankers, we've got two-thirds of our all-star panel. We'd like to be joined by Mark Wilson. Mark, how are we? Fine, thanks Scott. Another uh, busy weekend in Scottish football, culminating in today's dramatic semi-final, so I can't wait to get my teeth into it. Yeah, definitely, we'll get our teeth into it later on. We're also joined by, after a few weeks off, Rory Loy. Rory, how are we? Yeah, good to be here. Good to be back amongst the chat. And one forced smile there, Pikey, and one happy <laughs> panelist. So looking forward to the banter that will ensue this evening. Yeah, we'll get into the we'll get into the big stuff later on. But obviously we've got a, a busy show. There's been a lot of hard. We're back to domestic action. We'll just run through the results quickly in the premiership. The United beat Aberdeen 1 0. They go leveling points with Hearts and third. Mother will beat Hearts 2 0. They I think they're two points behind third and fourth, which is a great run for them. So Marin won, Livingston won, Rory was at that game, we'll get his thoughts on it later on. And in the Cup semi-finals, Celtic uh, reached the <coughs> final with a 1-0 win over St Johnson. And today, a Martin Boyle hat-trick saw Hibs deservedly go through with a 3-1 win over Rangers at Hamden. We'll start off with the, the games in the Premiership yesterday. We'll start off with the day United versus Aberdeen. It was a game, obviously, there was a, bit, a lot of storylines in it, more than, you know, there was a big talking point more than the game as such, but we'll get into it in a few minutes, but... First of all, I want to apologise to Tam Courts because I had them completely written off at the start of the season and they have been, so far, probably the most informed team in the league. Wilson, did they United, it's some result for them and it's probably been one of the stories of the season so far, just how well they're doing under a new boss. Yeah, absolutely. And I, Scott, I don't think you're the only one that possibly wrote them off eh, this season. They seem to have certainly... Um, I know we discussed a couple of weeks ago that we thought maybe Stephen Glass had turned a corner. Um, I think since, you know, they beat Rangers at Tannadice, um, they certainly have turned a corner um, from a shaky start. And they've done really well, and, and they're actually not a bad team to watch. Um, and a bit of a derby game for them yesterday, and as I say, you'll take 1-0 every day of the week. A um, couple of sendings off um, as well. They went down to 10 men first. But um, crazy from Callum Butcher. Funny, but crazy. Um, and then obviously the other sending off that they can't really discuss. Um, but you know, fair, fair play to Tam Courts, who's come in as an absolute unknown, an absolute, in my opinion, only my opinion, um, can I biscuit Tim Gamble, but it certainly seems to be paying dividends at Dundee United. Hi, Rory, what was your kind of overall thoughts in the, the victory for the D United? It was, the kind of game was, though a lot of people said about the game, Aberdeen were decent, they just got out for it, but the, the better team who just took their chances better on the day. Big result for the D United, obviously, it's another one in a really good run so far. Yeah, what's quite rare in younger managers is that ability to to grind out a win, um, whether it's a 1-0 or a 2-1. You know, you quite often find that these types of sides with younger managers in charge pick up a lot of draws, even when they're playing well, and then losing when they're not playing so well. It takes a, a few years and a bit of experience to try and get that know-how to get games over the line, but Tamcourt seems to have got that from the off, which is quite incredible and you know, hearing you say there about Aberdeen, a bit unlucky about whatever else, I'm, I'm fed up listening to Stephen Glass, to be honest. I find it, I find it boring now. Um, you could literally hit record on his speech every week, every time they lose, which is more often than not. Um, 
you know, I've said before, uh, you know, he's in danger of pulling the wool over the Aberdeen fans' eyes. You know, people who are watching the game um, in the stands who can see that you know they're not creating much for the possession. I, you know, all this kind of modern manager blub. Um, I sick of hearing it, and you know, it's time they picked up a few results. We'll touch on obviously the main talking points of the game. First of all, Wilson, we already touched on the red card to Callum Butcher, but the the Aberdeen red card for Funzo Ojo. Again, we're hearing this thing. The laws of the game says it's a red. I'll, I've got my own opinion on it. I'll, I'll go after you and Rory, but give us your thoughts on that red card. I think we have to be very careful. It's a now an ongoing criminal case, so I think we have to be very careful in, in what we say. Um, again, by the letter of the law, but again, I'll, I always feel discretion is probably the, uh, the, the best thing to uh, take on it, um, to be honest. But again... <laughs> And I know you laugh at me every week when I have a go at the referees and maybe Charlie to be on, but again, it's Bobby Madden having a howler again. It doesn't matter what team. Um, I think he must have got a bit confused because Aberdeen were playing in blue. Um, I think he maybe got a wee bit confused. But for me, it's a, it's a howler of a mistake. Nothing should have happened apart from you know the perpetrator being put out of the stadium at that time. Rory, what was your... Have you, have you seen it, obviously, Rory, before? We... I have seen yeah. it. I've seen it. <laughs> Bobby Madden is is there to, to to do a job at the end of the day, and he's in almost impossible position. Now, would his bosses and the people that employ him look at that and go, well, you've done the right thing there because morally, you know, he's shown restraint and things. I think in that position, he's decided, look, at this moment in time, I'm going to book him because I feel that, I, that you know, my job status says that, that I need to book him. And, I've almost got a degree of sympathy for him. I don't feel as strongly about the Bobby Madden, you know, involvement in it as Wilson does. The fan, for example, you know, as Wilson says, it's an ongoing police investigation. But what you don't want to see is one thing you love about Scottish football when, you know, people talk about Tynecastle or about Parkhead and Ibrox, the, the crowd's right on top of you, it's close to the pitch. You know, that's that's a positive in our game. Um, we don't want to see these things coming in, whether sat further back or the big... You know, the big nets go up, like you see abroad. You know, that, that shouldn't happen in this country. And, you know, there's no excuse for it. Um, so we'll wait and see how that plays out. Um, and, and, you know, the, the aftermath of it from the fans' point of view. But I do have a degree of sympathy for Bobby Madden. He's, he's in an almost impossible position there. He's dealing with a situation he shouldn't have to deal with. And he, he's tried his best. And I think that, you know, if Funjo Ojo isn't on a yellow card already, he books him and probably the microscope isn't on Bobby Madden as much. So I think there's a set of circumstances there which have raised their heads and he's dealt with it as as, as well as he's, as he's seen at that particular time. I don't think it's a howler. I don't think it's a disgrace, anything like that. The man's there to do a job. He was put in an extremely difficult position. What I don't particularly enjoy is, you know, I think he owes an explanation at least. And I know it's not the time and place to do it on the pitch and emotions are running high. It's that kind of almost booked, walking away, I'm not talking to you. I don't particularly enjoy that. I get that it would go on all day if you were to have a big discussion and things, but I think in that particular scenario, it's it's worth talking to Funjojo, pulling him aside and saying, look, these are the reasons. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll chat to you a bit more about it afterwards or we can look at it again afterwards, but I do have a degree of sympathy for, for Bobby Madden, I must say. Shankers, welcome to the show. We'll get your thoughts on the Foons Ojo red card in a second. Do you know what my thing about it is? Is the red card because he shoves the ball boy? 
I don't think he. I, I think he, he thinks he can not, stop. He from, I, I, I think he's trying to stop from running into the ball, boys. I, I think as well, but that's the only. I, I don't see how it's a red card. How if? Richard Gordon explained it um, by the letter of the law. If there's a confrontation with a fan, with a fan, then it's a yellow card for the player. It, it, it was explained on BBC, but what it did say was the discretion could have been used. It wasn't as if uh, the player was the instigator. He was in the receiving end of a shove. Bobby Madden should have signaled to the security or the police to get the man out of the stadium, and the game should have played on. You know, that, 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 that would have been an end to it. But, again, it's Bobby Madden, you know, it's all about him. Shankers. That's nonsense, Wilson. That's nonsense, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's, it's, every week there's a mistake and it's a high-profile mistake. That, it's a different, there's a difference between giving a mistake for a, a foul on the pitch or a a, 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 you know, a potential penalty or no penalty or handball or no handball. It's going over and above his call of duty to, to, to get security involved and to get police involved. That's no fair to be asked to the man when he's there to referee the football game. Well, well, the example we had at uh, Newcastle United a few a few weeks ago was that they were signalling to you know the doctors and the paramedics to get someone. Surely what man can signal to the police to get someone. If he's seen something untoward in the crowd, they can signal. Everyone saw it. The cameras saw it. It may have caused a matter of delaying the game, but that's his responsibility as well. And, and the, all that's happened is come out. He's come out as the pan, the panto villain again um, by saying by saying by sending that player off. Ridiculous. Shankers, what was your overall thoughts in the red card? I can see both arguments. I think he's uh, the guys. What the, the supporter has done is it's hard not to uh, react to that. But in the environment, maybe the player should try and stay a bit professional. But it, it's heat in the moment, isn't it? It probably has a yellow card if he's lifted his hands, which which merits a red. It looks looks bad because he's sent off, and it looks as if he's been sent off a lot. But it, it is a yellow card, so it's it's hard to disagree with the referee's decision. He's he's there to the letter of the law, and and that's what he's done. So it's hard to hard to argue really a case for the player in the end up. We'll move into Model 2 Hearts now at first part. Shields and Lammy with the goals as Model will take another really good victory. Shankers, Model are bouncing back really well in the past couple of weeks, obviously, after that Rangers defeat. They're now in a really good position in the league. Aye, they've, they've done well. It's a, it was a, a result that came maybe a wee bit. No, I'm not surprised that Model can beat Hearts, but I, I was expecting a, a, a better performance for Hearts. But... Uh, Teams like Mother at home, they've, they've got to try and uh, make a bit of a, a fortress for the for the rest of the teams uh, in the league, especially teams like Hearts, who are who are going to be competing with to, to get into third, fourth place uh, in the league. So doing a clean sheet, a bit of a, a a good performance for them, and and hopefully they'll maybe start uh, pushing up the table as well. Rory, what was your overall thoughts in Mother's two 0 one over Hearts? Was that a surprising result? Um. I possibly. I thought it would be. I certainly thought it would have been closer. Uh, I, I don't think there would have been any surprise if Motherwell had won in the end by the odd goal, but it seemed pretty comprehensive on the highlights. It looked like it could have potentially been more. But there's this kind of strange air of pressure which comes on Robbie Nielsen after a couple of bad results that doesn't mm-hmm. seem to come on other managers. I don't know what it is about him and Hearts, but it, I just feel like he, he gets a bit of a raw deal at times. Um, he comes under scrutiny very, very quickly. Um, but in terms of the game itself, Motherwell deserved to win the game uh, from, from the, the, the highlights I've seen. 
they had the most of the chances, the bulk of the chances, and it looked to me like Hearts were potentially lucky to get out there with just uh, the two goals conceded, although maybe they could have had one or two themselves. But, you know, riding the crest of a wave, Motherwell a little bit as well, back in good form, uh, back pushing up the league again. So it's going to be stiff competition to get into the top six and stay there this year, that's for sure. Wilson, obviously, Hearts, prob- Hearts' chance in the game probably ended after Moore's second yellow and obviously went down to 10 men, but... Would you be concerned about Hearts' run in the past couple of weeks and does the model now have the potential to kind of improve for that? Yeah, just echoing really what Rory's just said. I, I agree with him in terms of, you know, the pressure Nielsen's under, a couple of bad results, and that's now, Dundee United are now levelling points with him, which I find remarkable considering Hearts' start to the season. Um, but, I mean, when Craig Gordon gets the man of the match, you know, as Rory mentioned, um, it could have been more than 2 Um Again, think it was a. Did you think it was a second yellow? Do you think that was a booking that second one? Mm, yes, yeah, I do. I probably did actually. I do. I think. I think if that happens in the first fifteen minutes, no. I don't think he would be booked for that. I think it was a fact. I don't think. I don't think it's a first booking kind of thing. Or, or it's a Rangers player. Then it's not a booking. But anybody else, and yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought it was a booking. Um, but um, I don't think I'd be overly worried um, because what you have to look at is. What what was Hearts' main aim for the start of the season? What what was it to finish in the top six? Because I think they'll do that comfortably. Was it to finish, you know, in the top three? Then you'd be looking over your shoulder. Um, I just think Hearts probably have a, a kind of bigger squad that might be able to deal with when it comes to December, January, um, in games. But I think they both. I think, I think Hearts maybe have Celtic and Rangers to play maybe in December, if I'm listening to yeah, do, the, yeah. the BBC correctly. So, well, tough, tough times, but as I, I totally agree with Rory. I think Robbie Nielsen gets under undue pressure for a couple of shaky results, Ral and other managers we could mention, but fair, fair play to Motherwell. It was a good, good victory. The final game on Saturday <sighs> took place uh, with St Mirren against Livingston. It finished 1-1. McGrath with St Mirren goal and then Nicky Devlin with a late equaliser to give Livingston a point. Rory, you were at that game. What was your overall takeaways for the game? Uh, listen, it lacked quality at times. It, it wasn't the it wasn't the most pleasing game on the eye. However, there was two top class goals that are definitely worth a watch. Um, Jamie McGrath's lovely little lob, great vision, execution of the the finish lifts it above. Um, Stryek right in the, the top corner. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a cracking finish. And then Nicky Devlin's technique to get over the ball to drive it half volley, uh, zinger um, technique. Shankers would have been prouder. Um, no, it was a it was a top finish. The game in between those times, the other eighty eight minutes, probably weren't worth writing home about. However, Livingston, I thought, probably just shaded it. Um, one thing I'll say about St Mirren is they play with three at the back, and they want their wing backs to get high and wide. Now, if if the opposing team come and I watched it happen when Dundee came to St Mirren a couple of weeks ago, and even yesterday to an extent, if those wing backs get pushed back the way, it almost becomes a back five at times. Then they play with two sitting midfielders. So I'm looking going, you've almost got a back five to a degree. You've got Flynn and Power sitting in front of that and you're at home to Livingston. And, it, you know, there's always an air of frustration around the St. Martin support, I think, going, well, you know, it's three centre-backs against Bruce Anderson, who, by the way, played well, but you don't need three big centre-backs to play against one striker and Bruce Anderson. Mm-hmm. You've then got Flynn and uh, Power screening balls into Anderson. It's like they've got five players to try and stop the smallest guy in the pitch. 
Um, so it was aye, but they, they actually played well in the second half. On you know, on the flip side of that, when Sutmurn are on top, their wing backs come into the game, they're high up the pitch, it looks totally different on the eye. Um, and they managed to come into the game a little bit in the second half. Over the course and distance, one each was probably fair. If I if I was forced to pick the better team on the day, I would probably be Livingston, but there wasn't much in it. Wilson, what was your thoughts in the St Marin one Livingston one result? Were you surprised that ended in a draw? No, I think we all back now now when our predictor. <coughs> I think the biggest surprise for me was when the commentator said it was Jim Goodwin's 40th birthday. I'm thinking I nearly spat my false teeth out that he's younger than me. <laughs> Gee, what's he's had a hard paper run? Um, but no, and not, nothing really to report. As Rory said, I saw the highlights. The two goals were both magnificent. Um, but in terms of the game, it did look a slog. But fair play to Rory. Got to meet Gavin Russell, who was, used to be the announcer at Commander. He's a really good guy. Uh, good that, that good a guy, you forgot his second name, aye? Gavin Wallace. Gavin Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was thinking that. I was thinking that's not Gavin his name. Russell. He played with Stanley or something. <laughs> he used to be the that Kelly used to get the stadium really going for things, but um, it's kind of not that now. But as I say, I think everyone had that as a stick on nil nil draw. The, the goal for Livingston, the the, the the TV highlights were across the other side. So when it, it never did not do it justice, see the camera be on our side, it was unbelievable strike by Devlin. It didn't it look half as good on the telly as it did live. Shankers, what was your thoughts in the, the one all draw between St. Marin and Livingston? It was probably a result. Well, it was a, a result that uh, we, all, well, we all predicted now now one each. I think it was, maybe you could really argue, as Rory says, two really good goals. Um, I'm surprised if they mentioned it. See, late on, I thought it was probably could have had a penalty. Like, basically, the last kick of the ball. I said it's a handball, but they're blowing the final whistle. Oh, I thought. But a bit, but, uh, I mean, Jim Goodwin's got a kind of thing against referees and decisions against them anyway, but I was surprised. Can He's been up for the header, but it's hot as I'm clear as they are. I thought it was a penalty, to be fair. Uh, as, as Rory says, two, two good goals. Um, hard, hard to split the teams, but I was just looking, the gap between 10th and 6th is 6 points, so I mean, a couple of wins drives you up that table, but then again, on the flip side, a couple of losses takes you right down there, so it'll be interesting to see if anybody can kind of try and pull away from the park and, and separate that. I Obviously, that's the Premiership. We'll look into the uh, Premier Sports Cup semi-finals. We'll start off with the one on Saturday night. Celtic on the final with a 1-0-1 over St. Johnston. James Forrest with the, the late one and about 10 minutes to go. Wilson, this, in my opinion, was a classic example of Celtic huffing and puffing <laughs> all games. St. Johnston really well organised and Celtic eventually got the reward. Uh, it wasn't pretty on the eye. Um, I thought it might have been when you know we Abada, Kyogo and Jota all starting. Um, but I get a bad was really in the game. I don't know if the conditions possible didn't suit him. Um, was playing far too wide at occasions when it was down Jota's side. There was something missing. And to be fair, listen to the commentary. You know they must have mentioned James Forrest for about maybe the fifty fifth minute onwards, and then he comes on and a bit of experience maybe in there just a kind of. I, th- I thought they put a wee bit of uh, blame on the goalkeeper. I mean, it wasn't his best kick, but it was still, you know, a good 30, 40 yards away from his goal. Um, and then, obviously, for- Forrest finish after a, a ricochet. Um, maybe I was showing a wee bit of experience, maybe being in there um, as a kind of second striker or such, which down his opposite side. So, but again, I think it was a, a bit <coughs> of a for Celtic. 
Um, I think St. Johnston kind of managed the game okay. You know, there was some lats stiffs tackling the, the centre-halves did well, but um, I think it was going to come down to one goal. The later the game went, you know, it was getting pretty pretty boring to watch. Um, but fair play to James Forrest, you know, he's been obviously been injured and out of the team for a long time. Big game experience as well for Exactly, and I, think, I think the comment, I'm not taking care of us, I think he scored in three League Cup finals or something they were saying in his Celtic career, so maybe a, maybe a lucky omen, but I think Celtic will just be glad to get through, you know, I think there was a wee bit of pressure um, on Celtic to go and win the game, um, despite St. Johnson's success in the Cups last year, um, but I think Angel just <laughs> see it as job done. Rory, Celtic obviously are through to their first final under Ange Postacoglu. That'll be a massive boost of conscience for them. But before we get into Celtic, how much credit does St. Johnson deserve for you know, making the game as tight as they did until, obviously, Forest goal? Uh, I don't know. Not too much, I wouldn't have said. Um, I think if you've won two, two cups, and I don't think there's any pressure on St. Johnson yesterday. I think they've got the freedom to go out and express themselves and play and probably not be berated in any way, shape or form for getting beat 2 or 3 now. I didn't think they made much of a game yet until they went 1-0 down in the last kind of few minutes. So I was a little bit disappointed. I do appreciate they're playing against Celtic, um, who you know are a different animal from last year. And I do appreciate they've got good players and Jota and Kyogo and Forrest when he comes on. So I know it's difficult for teams like St. Johnson, but I thought they went out with a wee bit of a whimper, if I'm being honest. Um, I don't think they contributed too much to the game. And I think you know, they often make it difficult for teams and still create chances throughout the game at the same time, but they didn't really seem to do that yesterday. Chris Kane flashed a couple across the face of goal and things, but look, massive credit to them for what they did last year and then to reach another semi-final this year, of course, they, they deserve huge credit for that, but if we're taking yesterday's game in isolation, um, I, I thought they may have offered up a little bit more, to be honest. Shankers, how big a confidence boost will that be for the Celtic team to reach their first final under the new manager? I think it, it will be, but I don't think um, it was it was unexpected. Like I think everybody with a with a back them to get through. That they're, they're playing pretty well. The the fans are really enjoying the style of playing the football that the, the managers uh, putting in the squad and putting his in in kind of marker down on it now. Um, I think maybe maybe it was closer. The result was closer than what the game actually was. If you know what I mean, it, it was kind of all Celtic. You know what I mean? I think if they scored a couple more goals that were a problem and more uh, more fitting. Uh, St. Johnson, I agree with Rory, St. Johnson never really caused them too much problems. They probably, it was similar to maybe uh, the Livingston St. Johnson final where Livingston kind of were just there. They never really done in. I thought that was what St. Johnson were like. So they, were just, they were just there and they never really... I know if you come out and, and go and have a go at Celtic, Celtic's going to pick you off and end up taking two or three. So maybe they've tried to keep it close, no, no, for as long as they can and, and then try maybe net one. But sometimes you're, you're better going to uh, have a wee bit of a go yourself. And I thought, honestly, kind of let themselves go a wee bit in that part. But it's Celtic through to the, the first final under the new manager. And uh, obviously we're going to the, the other semi now and, and it's looking, uh, they're looking favourites for that anyway. I Celtic will take on Hibs, who reached the final today with a 3-1-1 over Rangers. Martin Can I just Boyle. say, by the way, 
I thought that Joe Hart looked a wee bit ropey yesterday. It did, I felt, actually, um, yeah. He was the only one. If St. Johnson were going to get a goal, it, was, it looked like it was maybe going to come for a, a lapse in concentration from him rather than St. Johnson carving open Celtic or creating yeah, the one with the one with Halloran, wasn't it? It was nearly, nearly got caught. No, even the obvious ones. He just looks a little bit suspect at times. And I see Wilton's been muted himself, so um, I'll let him take this one. Just he's just not used to playing in big games, Joe Hart. That's that's his problem. He's just a bit nervous. <laughs> bit of nerves got to him, that's all. <coughs> well, we'll get to the other semi-final. Hibs are in the, the final where they will take on Celtic in the 19th of December. Martin Boyle with a hat trick as they reach their first final in the league come. I think it's like eight years or something. That's some obviously Jack Ross has obviously get, got them back into a run of form. We'll get to the end in a couple of minutes, but Wilson, how much credit do Hibs deserve for that performance today? I thought they were magnificent. De- definitely, um, and I and I think it's, and I know I know we will <laughs> criticise Rangers. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> I, I think the praise goes to Hibs tonight rather than possibly the criticism of Rangers. Um, Jack Ross, <coughs> we're saying he's, he's obviously not had a game for about three or four weeks, um, and I've been very critical of Jack Ross in terms of when it comes to big games and all that. And I can always wonder, you know. Sunderland wasn't the right fit. I think St Murn was the right fit for him. I don't think Sunderland was. I'm still unconvinced about Hibs, if I'm honest, but it might lead them to a trophy, so that'll be egg in my face again. But today, he got his tactics absolutely spot on. Um, and I'll touch on the other side of it when we discuss that. Um, when we when kind of two up, high up on uh, Balligan and Goldson. Um, and as I say, that you know they were taking bullets for each other, the Hibs defence. Um, a couple of ropey moments. Um, I thought when when Arfield scored, I thought now now you'll see you know what what hubs are made of. Um, but t- to their credit, they, they defended resolutely. Um, I don't think Macy said particularly that many saves. He's came and collected a few. He's he's dealt with a dodgy pass back um, that came off the post. But no, I, I think today Jack Ross got it tactically spot on, um, and I think the credit should go to him and Al and the crucifying the Rangers that we're going to do anyway. Shankers, obviously Hibs have, have reached the final. Martin Boyle, Kevin Nisbet in particular were excellent, but defensively, once once they got that that massive lead, it was they did clear the lines a lot, and obviously Porteous McGinn, they were all magnificent. It was just a a great day for Hibs. Obviously that big one that they they maybe haven't had in the past few years, but that was one of the days where they, everything just went right for Hibs. I definitely am. I mean, I'm no the biggest fan, but I thought Ryan Porteous was outstanding today. Everything uh, you've seen a, a bit of maturity in his play. I thought um, he's maybe kind of learnt from previous mistakes in the past. He was, but he's, he's one of the defenders that puts his body in the line uh, for the team at all costs. He was everything that was coming into the box was going straight back out. Handling as well. I'm no any miss out. I thought Portis, other than Boyle, I thought Portis was probably the other kind of man of the match, if you could say. But you kind of give it to somebody that's had a hat trick. So. Um, Hanlon was, was good as well. McGinn, I thought, they, I thought um, McGinn and who was it? So the left back, Doidge. I thought they kind of cancelled out uh, Rangers in wide areas like Bray Tav. And Boris, it's actually Rangers' is kind of strong point of getting them high up the pitch. But I think Hibs kind of felt like wing backs done a, done a bit of a job. Rangers were kind of getting forced to be broadly deep, I think. Uh, and it just just wasn't a Rangers day, but uh, all credit goes to Hibs, as uh, Wilson says, because they were, they were outstanding and, and they looked as if, I know the kind of Golden interview goes on about hunger, but Hibs definitely looked as if they were they were more hungry than, than Rangers a day and, and fully deserved it. 
Rory, obviously you've worked with Jack Ross in the past. How kind of pleased are you for him to get to a final? And as well as that, how much credit does he deserve for his tactical kind of prowess today? Yeah, I mean, loads of credit. Um, I don't agree with Wilson in terms of his placement of where Jack Ross sh- should and could go in terms of being a manager. Um, I think he was, listen, he remit down at Sunderland was get promotion. Of course, he failed in doing that. Reached the playoff final. Then becomes a, a one-off game at Wembley and it becomes difficult. If you get that promotion, then, you know, your momentum takes you potentially into the championship and beyond. So, you know, he did a fantastic job at St Martin and then he's, he's at Hibs. Um, and I think he's done very well at Hibs. If you look at where Hibs were before he came, I think it's quite fitting as well that Shankers mentions Paul McGinn, uh, an ex-teammate of mine who I rate very highly. I think he's he flies under the radar massively. He's not a controversial character. He's no got. You know, you look at Stevenson and Hannon who get so much publicity because they've got, you know, tens of thousands of appearances um, <laughs> with, with Hibs. And then you look at Portis, who's, you know, a controversial character at the best of times. So he kind of flies under the radar. He turns up every day. He does his job. Um, and, you know, questions asked about him when he gets called up for Scotland and things. But uh, managers will always turn to players they can trust. And Paul McGinn is absolutely one of them. And him, Portis, Hanlon, you know, Two bookings in the first what minute and a half. I feared the worst for Hibs, I must be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rangers looked like they had their tails up. But Jack Ross, delighted for him. And the best team went through in the end, absolutely no doubt about it. Just hope that they approach the, the final, and I'm sure they will in the same way um, as they've approached the, uh, the semi-final because they're more than capable of beating Celtic as well, I feel, and lifting the cup. But Celtic on their day, obviously, are are, are no mean feat at the moment because they, they can score goals for fun. Um, and... I don't think Celtic would have missed half the chances Rangers missed today. I've got See, to be... Oh, sorry. On you go. See, I know it's easy to get up for like a semi-final and that, but I think there's a bit of Jack Ross thinking where, where's that been like so far this season because they're in a bit of a false position in the league. He would just maybe hope this is a kind of a, a, a turning point for them now and there's some right talented players in that team and they probably should be, should be up there challenging for, for third third place uh, at least in the, in the league. It's days like a day as well. Yeah, three games behind though as well. They've had games called off. I think they're three games behind. So uh, It's days like today where Portis has got to realise how much of an effect it has when he's got sent out because I think it's easy to forget about. They're one mm-hmm. up at Ibrox or the better team could quite easily went on and win that game. He gets sent off. Obviously, it's a big talking point to tackle but the impact it has in the game, you know, that just shows today if he stays on the pitch, Hibs have got every chance of going on and beating Rangers. And that's three points they would have had that they've no got. So Porteous, as good as he was today, he needs to take stock of, right, this is the impact it has on the team when I get sent off. We'll look at the other side of the coin. Obviously, Rangers are a disappointing result. It was a, kind of, today, I think, was meant to be the, as Rangers fans kind of put it, the, the beginning of a new kind of era in the club with Van Bronckhorst mm-hmm. coming in, sitting in the stand. I'm going to put this question to all three of you, and obviously I'm going to have a wee say uh, after you. What went wrong for Rangers today, Wilson? Well, I think when you looked at the dugout, possibly, um, I, I think there was some substitutions were baffling, um, to say the least. But that was later in the game. Again, I, th- I think most of the old firm teams expect, you know, whether it's a semi final or a league game, they expect the kind of the other team to sit in a wee bit, be compact, try not let let them, you know, get a, you know get a foothold in the game or whatever, you know, be disciplined, let's see, let Rangers come at them for five, ten minutes, see how it goes, but Hibs just went for the jugular um, straight off the bat, um, got a couple of corners and things in, as I say, 
the Rangers, they put Boyle and Nisbet right up against Goldson and Balligan. But they had, no, they had no protection, you know, because Taverne and Barisic, they like to get forward. Um, Davis, you know, could have maybe provided that um, kind of screen in front of the two you kind of mentioned earlier on. And I just I just felt like Rangers were lethargic, you know, none of the big players showed up. You know, you maybe expect a wee bit of magic from Ken, you know, Morales maybe creating a, a wee chance of his own or something, but they were very, very flat Rangers. Um, and I, I didn't think, you know, I don't think Alan McGregor said that many saves to make, to be fair, um, in the game. But there was there was definitely a, a, a flatness. And I always all kind of thought maybe, and, and you've you've mentioned it before, Scott, to your credit. You you can have, and now the commentators were mentioning it today as well. You can have feel as a, a bit about the Rangers team like job done. We were we were here to stop ten in a row. And we've, we've done that. And, 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 and there's a there's a wee bit of flatness about them all. But I actually think I thought Van Bronckhorst would possibly come in, keep things as you are. I think I think there might be a few boys after today that might be thinking I might not play. I mean, Tavelli didn't have his best game, um, and he's got you know five to eight million pound rated. Nathan Parson sitting on the bench is Van Bronckhorst going to put him in? I know I know Tavernier is the captain, etc. I mean, what's happened to Hollander? Is he injured? Or what, is he injured? Right, okay. Because I, th- I think even last season, and maybe even the last hmm. couple of seasons, it's always seems to have been Goldson plus one. I think <laughs> I think it might be some, <laughs> you know, it might be Ballard right. plus one or Hollander plus one. Um, from now on in, I, I, again, I know it's a, it's a semi-final, etc. I don't think the panic buttons uh, pressed um, as well. Obviously, there's a bit of a hangover from the manager going to Aston Villa and whatnot. But as I say, even tactically today, and I'm quite sure uh, David McCallum and Brian Gilman, these guys know a lot more about football than me. But even after the kind of the second goal, especially, I don't know how they how they didn't react to try and nullify, you know, the, the two boys up front and put, put an extra man in there, but that, that was there. But, I mean, his, his substitutions later in the game were brave, didn't pay off, obviously, but but they were brave. But as I said, it was just a general flatness for me about Rangers. What? How were they brave? Well, no, I think just in terms of right, Ryan Kent's kind of one of the main players, maybe going to create, maybe a fan's favourite, but he was having a shocker, so get him off. You know, Ojo as well didn't do much. Get him off. You know, they're quite brave in bringing off some big names. Usually, what tends to happen, they maybe bring off folk, maybe not the bigger names as such. Ojo was off up north in Dundee. What's his name? Sorry, him off as well. And I think he's probably Rangers' best player this season. To be fair, but it didn't show. And what I also thought now again, we're only going what we see in the press. Where was Jermaine Defoe? We were told Jermaine Defoe was leading this team and Jermaine Defoe this, Jermaine Defoe that. He was there because I seen the camera went to him, but I didn't really see him. But, was he, was he, was he, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Was he sitting hiding because he, the boy McCallum was the one on the touchline and then Gilmer came out laterally. Um, so it was, and maybe that was confusing for the players. Who was actually running the show today? Um, but it's not going to be a happy uh, first day in the office for uh, Van Bronckhurst tomorrow morning, I wouldn't have thought. Rory, we've obviously asked Wilson the question, we'll bring it to you. What did you think went wrong for Rangers today? And is it time to press it? Is there a potential to press the panic button or is it just a, no. a blip? No, there's, there's, there's no pressing the panic button. I think there's an always going to be an overreaction when, when the old firm get knocked out, um, especially with the circumstances around surrounding the game today. Um, I think 
that I also think that I don't think today was just you mentioned at the top of the question it was the, the beginning of a new era. I don't I don't I don't go along with that. I, I don't think it is the beginning of a new era. You had David McCallum and Brian Gilmer, and I get that Van Bronckhorst was there. He's had no input. He's had no say. He's had no communication. So do you think for me, say that was a mistake? No, I don't. No, not necessarily. Well, in hindsight, they get beat. But I don't think the mistake necessarily comes from that. I don't think that he's allowed at the moment because of a permit or something along those lines to be in the building and taking the team. So I don't think he possibly could have been anyway. I think, um, I think it came, it did come through. It says pretty much so. They were, they were saying whether uh, he would I still have think it. He's not even had that, a day in the training pitch. So even Cregan was saying it passionately to get Van Bronckers in the dressing room at half time because his team was getting beat. Well, um, listen, I, I mean, I, I just think that, you know, David McCallum, Brian Gilmer, I, I wouldn't place any blame at their door. I no. totally appreciate no. the, 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 I, I totally appreciate the, the idea that, oh, you look over who's picking the team, who's making the changes, who's making these decisions. I thought the subs were strange. Um, you could say they were brave because you took a, character, a player off who, for me, that was, that was strange is what I would say. It's, it's well documented that these players stay on the pitch for a reason, because despite not playing well, and I've always said that about Kent, and I've said that a lot of times in this show, he will go and get the ball and he will make things happen under pressure in difficult circumstances. Is Scott Wright going to do that? Is, you know, are these, you know, I pick Scott Wright just as an example with the guys that come on off the bench. Is Sakala going to go and want, I think Kent will always show for the ball, he'll always try and create. He'll always try and do these things. He might be the worst player on the pitch for 60 minutes, but the reason he might be the worst player on the pitch is because he's got the ball the most and he's trying to make yeah. things happen. And it only takes one split, you know, split second to make something happen. So whilst it was brave in the sense that I he might have created or you know taken off and you know make some headlines, I think in the context of the game it was the wrong decision. That's just my opinion. Um, but no, I don't think the panic button needs pressed. I think you will see Giovanni Van Bronckhorst come in. I think. From now until the end of November and the full of December is a critical period in any team season. And I think that you'll see very, very subtle minor changes. I expect having you to stay in the team between now and then, you know, barring disaster, losing three, four games on the bounce. I think that Patterson, if Giovanni Van Brockhorst is to make changes such as bringing Patterson in, change a captain, make a statement, I don't think you'll see that till January. I think there's a, there's a breathing space in January to take a step back to have looked at six weeks of training, to have kept the squad together, to be play the same formation and you know the same core group of players who, despite getting beat today, you know are there um, and you know top of the league by four points. And I think in January you'll see a bit of breathing space to reflect. And I think the back end of January is when you'll see more obvious changes in lineup and tactics and identity. But I think between now and then. I think he'll come in and just try and steady the ship and and get performances out of the core groups that's there in the same system with the same personnel. I don't see major changes on the horizon imminently. Shankers, so, sorry, sorry, Scott. Rory said there that he didn't think there was any responsibility for Gilmer and McCallum. I didn't say there wasn't responsibility. I said there would be no blame attached to them. Right, so would they have got the credit if their substitution had come on in one four three? Would they have got the credit? Yes, absolutely. But they didn't. So, so they can't take the blame, though? No, no. So for the likes of Conor Goldson saying after the game, re with regards to hunger and desire and things like that, I don't think you can expect two coaches who have never worked with them fully after four or five days. You know, that's got to come within. That's got to come from the players. That doesn't come from, from the touchline. Um, 
So I I think they got their substitutions wrong. So you could look at that particular thing and go, yeah, you know, on that particular occasion, they got that wrong. However, what I'm saying is losing that game today as a whole and the performance in the first half from players that have been there and done it, I don't think there's blame there. So if you're going to pick that specific instance with the substitutes, I do think they got that wrong. And if they were to be you know, criticised for that, I would agree with that. I just mean the bigger picture overall. And what, what players there have been there and done it in the League Cup? There doesn't seem to be. Maybe Alan McGregor, Steve Davis. Well, well, <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean um, in terms of the, the league and things like that. But, well, it's, it's actually a valid point, actually, because, you know, people say about, you know, was it the manager leaving? Was it no leaving? Well, they, they flunked their lines, you know, for the last three seasons under Gerard in these competitions. So um, it's maybe absolutely nothing to do with Gerard leaving. It's maybe just a little bit of um, psychology playing its part there. Shankers, what went wrong for Rangers? The, the boys have, have covered majority um, it's hard to say team selection I, I thought Lundstrom was probably coming into a period where he the last six, five, six weeks where he was playing pretty well so I'm not saying him no starting can change the game or anything like that but it's a wee thing like Sakala off the back playing well and stuff <coughs> like that knowing the team but Rangers no matter what 11 they put out there should still be strong enough to uh, go and, and beat anybody in the league in my opinion but just it, it's hard to argue with what although I don't agree with what Bolton said it's hard to argue with what he said it doesn't look as if the, they were hungry enough today and I don't know why uh, if the, the whole managerial situation um, if, if somebody I think it was Kevin Thompson maybe said it pre-match if, if the, the players can't take responsibility for themselves without a manager for a game like that then they shouldn't really be at the football club because a club the size of Rangers. Players like like Tavernier, who's been been there for a good few years, Goldson, uh, vice captain. Players like that should have enough. Stephen Gerrard only left maybe ten days ago. It's not as if if they've been left uh, for months uh, without a manager and they're scraping by him. The manager only left ten days ago, so and and he instilled that away. That, that was pretty much a, a Stephen Gerrard like team like set up and philosophy and all that it was playing the day it was it would just look like a, a Gerard team playing with other people in the side managing it because it, it's hard I don't think they were ever going to be major changes the day we, we enter them uh, coaches and, and even the managers not even had a day on the training pitch so it was very much how bear in mind because as well international duty that McCallum and Gilmer wouldn't have had much time with the squad that played either I, yeah. I know I think they maybe had uh, just Monday, I think he says it. But even even on Monday, there wouldn't have been like all the all the players in in, in full training because players playing in, in international duty and whatnot. So it is hard. I agree with Rory. I wouldn't put any blame on them apart from substitutions. Uh, I didn't I didn't agree with, with Kent and Aribo. I, I thought Aribo was actually probably one of the kind of better ones for Rangers. I thought, especially in the first half, I thought he was getting the ball and. And looking forward an awful lot, um, driving forward, trying to take people on and stuff like that. And Rory's right. See if Brian Kent gets the ball 10 times and loses it 10 times, he's still going to go and get it the 11th time, whereas there's other players in the team that I think maybe uh, shirk out of that when they lose the ball and start going back the way and playing safe, whereas Ryan Kent will still, still go 1v1 with his defender at all times. So I thought it was a bit, a bit strange. I thought maybe... If Morelos could have came off uh, <coughs> with a if he was doing like for like, or uh, I thought I thought the Kent and Arriba ones were strange. I thought Davis 
with a come off. I'm not saying it had a particularly bad game, but at that point, Stephen Davis isn't going to really grab the game with scruff, scruff the neck and go and, and go and uh, win you the game. So I thought he could have been a bit more brave as in sacrificing somebody like Davis who, who sits off the game for for an attacker. Um, so it's it's hard to pin the blame on them and they've, they've had so, so little time, but uh, I thought it was a bit of a kind of gutless uh, performance for, for Rangers. And what, see when they got the, the goal back of four half time, thought right, in at half time, Come out, kind of, kind of firing again. They had a lot of the ball, but it was, it was crossing for deep. Tav just looked as if he wanted to get head up, brought it at every opportunity. Uh, I don't think the players were brave enough. I know going and smashing into a tackle or anything like that, but brave enough to when they see Tav was putting balls in the box and then they're clearing it and the crowd groaning and moaning and whatnot. So, but see when there was no fans, players were, players were. Um, but been brave and, and making choices that it necessarily wouldn't normally do rather than being safe. And I thought the players who were took off are the types of players. And I thought everything was kind of too safe, side to side, backwards when they had the ball, meaningless possession. Maybe they was really trying anything to, to, to have a go. Uh, I thought the game went, went out with a bit of a, a whimper at the end. Bolton has had a really good chance late on where maybe scores that you think, right, maybe with five minutes to go, you could sneak something. But other than that, it, the game kind of just died a death uh, later on. For me, the, the first half was frantic and in, in, in all action part, but the second half kind of, kind of just went out with a whimper. Uh, it was very poor, and the new manager's got a lot of work to do. And I wouldn't surprise me if uh, he, he does go and, and be brave and, and make some changes that... I think with Gerard, you there was five or six players who, were, who played no matter what. And I think it would. I think you're not going to get that now. See on the tab, tab situation with Patterson, Tab's a captain, so so a lot of people saying he's a captain. He's not going to play. Liverpool's one of the best teams in the world right now, right? And John, Jordan Henderson never plays every single game. He's, he gets managed for games like you play, you play a lot of the big games and and maybe like a, and a tough away ground. It's a different position, but Alexander Arnold and Robertson play every week. Huh? The two fullbacks play every week. Aye, I know. It's just it's the whole captain situation. Uh, it's it's Parsons not gonna. He, I don't think Nathan Parsons is gonna hang around and, and wait the maybe two three years when 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 Tav's finished at Rangers to then be the Rangers right back. I think he'll be sought after. Uh, sought after before the end. If, if he's not getting regular football, he'll be like, right. I'm I'm off here because. There is teams that are willing to take them. See them in Scotland uh, during the week and stuff like that. Uh, last last week, sorry, in Scotland, it's just a kind of glimpse of, of what he can do in a Rangers jersey if he gets a chance. And he has he has shown it before. I know he's no no played an awful lot of football, but he has showed what he can do. And, and it's, it's tough, uh, tough condition for the manager to be in. It's 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 a really hard one. I, I honestly don't know. But I would do, I wouldn't like to be the person making the decision. Can I, can I just ask Rory a question? Now, Rory, you must have been at clubs where the manager's lost his job, <coughs> the new manager comes in, whether it be, you know, a couple of weeks down the line or the next day or whatever it is. Has, has all the managers that you've maybe seen change over, have they come in and done anything completely drastic um, in the first kind of couple of weeks, like change the captain, change the formation, you know, 
that, that, that type of thing. I'm just saying, for example, you know, Van Bronckhorst could have big balls and come in and play, say, right, OK, for, from now on, Steve Davis is the captain and Patterson is playing. You know, that would be I, drastic. Have you seen managers do drastic things like that? Probably not straight away, not instantly. Um, and that's why I alluded to, I think, Van Bronckhorst, even if he does want to do that, I think his common sense would probably tell him, wait to January. Um, because it is such an important period, you don't want to upset the apple cart and then uh, affect potential performances and results. And um, on the back of that as well, you've got a couple of weeks in January to sit down and think about things. Like there's been a couple of occasions. Paul Le Guin, you know, had a totally different outlook on things. Um, you know, and when Walter Smith came in after Le Guin had left, obviously I was in the youth side, so I wasn't. Directly impact, but I'm in the same building. I see the things that go on. You know, he filled out the squad. <clears throat> he brought a lot. He brought the camaraderie back, is what I would say. Um, not that Paul Le Guin struggled for that necessarily, but he didn't really understand the, the Scottish way of doing things. Were quite unique in, in, in certain things. And Walter Smith obviously clearly understood that um, and came in and made big changes and got things back to the way a lot of the players were familiar with and comfortable with and that made a big difference I would say so it wasn't so much necessarily tactics or anything it was just getting the little home comforts that the boys like that Paul Le had kind of taken away back in um, you know so and another one you know Peter Houston left you know five six seven eight games in the season I can't remember it was Paul Hartley came in there was a situation where we had an interim manager for one one game Paul Hartley was there to oversee the game he came into the dressing room before the game and said a little bit um, and things like that and, you know, gave all the boys a little bit of information and stuff before going back up to the stand and watching the first game. So, look, there's a million and one ways of doing different things, but if he does see Patterson as his, as his future, I think a decision has to be made on that one and I think it has to be come out soon and made clear for, you know, it might have been made behind closed doors where, you know, Taverni has been told under Gerard, look, don't worry about this Patterson, you know, don't worry about that. There's a lot of noise about it. You're my number one and you're playing every week. Whereas now there might be a bit of uncertainty there. Um, and if, if if Van Bronckhorst does come in and go, do you know what? Age-wise, I want Patterson to play. You know, we'll take what we can for Taverni and move him on. I, you know, I don't. I genuinely don't think that they would do that in the next few weeks. I, I know I'm repeating myself a little bit, but I think it's a dangerous tact and it's a risk to go in all guns blazing um, and do that from the outset. I think he'll see that winter break in January as the ideal opportunity to do these things. And I think you may see a little bit more movement then. But look, can I ask him my personal opinion? I would have parts in the team. I, I think it's an interesting one. We're just trying to accommodate. <laughs> I would give him a run in the team. I would give him a run in the team for, um, for you know, like I said, if... If it was me and I was Gerald and I, I was there and I'd been there because I've obviously contradicted myself, I say I would put the uh, parts in now because if I was a new fresh face going in the building, I wouldn't necessarily do it then. But I, I think it's the right time for Parson to come into the team. But I understand Taverni is the captain, but you know, things need to evolve, things need to change at some point. They can't stay the same forever. Um, they need freshened up, and, and I think that Parson has knocked on the door enough now to, to merit three, four, five games in the team and I think the back end of January may see that the opportunity arise. I, I think it's in, sorry Scott, I think it's interesting the Parson one because, I mean again it's sweetie money down to big teams like Everton were seemingly very interested kind of in the summer and and I know Aston Villa is slightly different because Gerard and McCarthy and these fellas 
have seen Patterson every day. But he can, I can get the impression that Everton are maybe bidding, if sources are to be believed, four or five million based on his Scotland performances. It almost kind of has to be. But that, that's what I'm saying. Many, I, I find that quite yeah. bizarre. You know, I, mean, I, know, I know he's played the odd game in Europe um, for Rangers, but as I say, I, I think it's crunch time for the, the young kid as well. I, mean, I know he's got kind of youth in his side, but he, mu- he must be thinking, wait a minute here, I'm the number one right back for my country, but I can't get into my, uh, my club team. And, and I, th- I think it's maybe a, a kind of crunch time January for him to see as Van Bronckhorst, because I say that, I think that's, that's probably his biggest decision, I would think. I mean, I think you would, you know, you're right through the whole team, but I think that I think the starting team today, with the exception of Patterson Tavernier, it's it's an impossible it's an impossible yeah. one though because crunch time for Patterson. Say Patterson decides in his head, right? I, I I want to be out there and I want to be playing every week. Come, I don't I don't really see what he can do to set that wheel in no, motion to make to I, make that happen. And that's what I'm saying. And if Aston Villa come come bidding for him and get him for whatever. You think, okay, that's 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 fair enough because Gerard works from every single day for the last few years. Fair enough. I don't think Rangers would sell him for anything near that money. I think that I I genuinely think that Rangers as a club will want to give him at least 40, 50 appearances starting every single week before because I I genuinely think that could double treble his price tag. Potentially, I'm not saying it would uh, if he goes in and does, does well. I think if you were to keep Tavernier in and sell three, four million pounds. You know, if you're going for this kind of player trading model, I think I think that's that's financial suicide. If Rangers, see if Rangers get, receive a bid a six million pound in January for Nathan Parson, I think it would be very hard for Rangers to refuse the situation that they're in right now. I, I think it all depends on where they're sitting in the league as well. I, I think if, I think it'll come down to stick or twist with this Champions League money. They'll stick or they'll twist with these types of decisions and they'll, uh, they'll hold off as long as they can as long as they can. And I think you'll find that if Rangers are sitting second in the league come the back end of January and Nathan Parsons had a, a few good games in the team, they'll be thinking, keep him in the team for another four months, we'll get double the money for him in the summer. But see if they're off on, say, £6 million for somebody that's hardly really featured. Like, almost a second choice player. It, it's a lot of money to, to turn down for somebody who's not really playing every week. The only thing is that they always say potential, the potentials are kind of obviously they're clear to see. So what age is he? Nineteen? Is he older? He's just turned twenty. I think he's just turned twenty. Was he twenty? Oh, he's passed it. Forget. I I think Nathan Parson will be away in January. There you go. I just want to make a couple of points before we get into obviously talk about as the game as a whole. I thought. Hibs, Hibs got their tactics spot on. I thought Nisbet as well. When he's, I didn't think Nisbet that, that in his game as much when he was kind of dragging Balogun out. Balogun had a nightmare deal. Balogun just couldn't cope him at all. And obviously Boyle was getting in behind and things like that. Boyle just run ragged as well. Could McGregor do better for the first goal, the second goal? I don't know. But a great the, finish, man. it's a great finish. But the first goal, it's a bad, it's bad defending. It's Boyle oh, should be like oh, the, the corner. Was that the yeah, corner? That's off. That's off. Tavernier. See, at any level, I'm a great believer on people on the post. And if I think get somebody on the post, the goal doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, I don't know what happens with Tav. If other Tav sees it late, I think Portis is maybe got a wee. Kamara, no. Kamara, he just walks no, off. Kamara. I, 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 I Kamara's marking him, but it kind of. I only cost fifty grand, lads. He's no, he's no there yet. 
Four is <laughs> four is get one's a kind of flick and it comes off Tav and then falls right out. So Kamara's lost his man. I don't know whether it's meant to be ending the back post, I presume not. Portis, whoever's marking Portis has, has let him uh, run. He's not got a full head on it, uh, but he's got enough. He's got enough on it to, to cause a bit of problem. So there's two or three, two or three errors there in, in the one thing. And Rangers have seen a lot of goals for Aye, and that's what I'm saying. Like usually, like in a normal circumstance, you're looking at Goldson and Balogun's form so far. I see, and you're thinking, yeah, they maybe need a run out of the team, but you don't have many other, many other options. You've got Jack Simpson, who really has set the the world on fire. Hollander's injured in the St. Cartage out in Mons. So you really need to stick with the two. I, even after off form, it's it's a difficult one. And I think my my, my only point on it <clears throat> that is, and again, Shankers and Odell know a hell of a lot more than me. I'm if, if I'm David McCallum. And I'm in charge of that Rangers team. I look at the players and I think, I'm happy with that. And I look at the opposition and I think, they're garbage. But Martin, Martin Boyle could win them that game because he's so quick. So the only thing I need to manage is how to try and nullify Martin Boyle. Because I think that was their only threat. As it well, clear, 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 clearly they're not garbage because they, they defended <laughs> so well. I mean, you've sat and praised the back four and, and, and I, different I know, players in the back I'm, four. I'm looking at the league form, the league position. I'm think, I'm looking... There's not there's not one Hibs player that I would put in instead of any of those Rangers players that start the game today. I would yeah, take but, Martin yeah, Boyle over yeah, so, 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 so at the end of the game, you would be sitting there going, they've not just got Martin Boyle, totally underestimated them. We're Rangers, we should David, win. That's what I'm saying. I'm David McCallum at the start of the game. That's what I'm saying. And I'm looking at their team and I'm thinking Martin Bowles are only threat. Now, he is our main threat. And I'm thinking he's, he's, he's the one we need to nullify. And, and then for 10 minutes, he scored two goals. That, that, that's where I'm looking at the management and saying, what, what, what did they plan for? Because they, they must know Martin Bowles has pace to run him behind. But see what you're saying there as well about Van Bronckhorst changing things. I get that he probably will change it, but in December, you go. they need to go to Easter Road, they need to go to Tyne Castle, they need to go to Petodre, they then go to Parkhead at the end of, end of December. It's a massive run of games. See, it's they not- places, they places you need, you need people... Entrance. Starving, I, you need... I don't think he'll give Patterson that he may give Patterson like the odd game and I know that'll be bad for his development but it's a big gamble leaving out your captain <coughs> and after that's why I say I don't think I he'll do it till, yeah, I don't know I, 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 that's why I'm saying you don't do that until January barring, barring disaster and that's the reason why you don't do that, but it'd be interesting to be a fly in the wall. Of course, you would love to be at these discussions, and it took a little bit longer than fans had hoped to get Van Bronckhorst because it ticked so many boxes over the line. Is is are they as a club? Is Van Bronckhorst sitting going? Well, you know, I, I appreciate from a you know business perspective that you know we can, we can turn we can turn down huge bids, but Patterson doesn't go for anything less than ten million because he's part of my plans. And um, see in January if a bid for eight million or six million comes in, it gets rejected. Otherwise. It's no, you know, it's no forward thinking, and it's you know, always think. Managers always come out of these meetings and clubs, you know, are uh, ideas married up, and the club showed ambition and this and that. So all these things are they being discussed? Because you know, Van Bronckhorst can bring in his own backroom staff. Gerard cleared that out. He's not affiliated with any club. There's no compensation negotiations. There's um, a link there with his with his uh, playing days. He's won a very similar league, probably a more competitive league with Feyenoord. What took so long? It, it, there must have been finer details there that needed ironed out because for me, it looked on paper like it was an overnighter. Um, 
So is, is the likes of a Nathan Patterson, are these things we're discussing? Were they discussed? And was there a thing put in place to say, right, Patterson, Disney gets sold, and that's, you know, our way of saying to Van Bronckhorst, right, you know, this is this is our ambition and this is what we're going to do as a club. And if we do sell him for that 10 million, you get that back, uh, X amount back again. You know, you, you don't know these things, but I, I would be very surprised if Patterson, Tavernier scenario, not so much Tavernier, but the Patterson one wasn't discussed during negotiations, I would say, because it's a huge, huge decision for the club. Yeah, well, well. We, we, we kind of discussed it last week, Scott, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, Rory wasn't on. And we, we kind of, you know, we were trying to guess, you know, were they shocked by Gerard's exit? Did it hit Aye. them hard? They thought, well, we've not got a plan B here. What are we going to do? And is, was that... Maybe I'm not having a go, Rangers here. I know you probably think I am, but... <laughs> did, did, did they think, oh, my God, Gerard's like, what are we going to do now? I mean, there, no the the there was a list, etc., etc. Yeah. And, and there may have been. But is that why the delay took so long? I think the delay's been the coaching staff. I think the delay's been the backroom staff because it's still not, that's still not ironed out. I think there and, could be a few reasons, though, because I think they'll want to, on the, the face of it, look like they've been pretty thorough in their um, search. They won't want to do it after maybe one day, although Van Bronckhorst was maybe you know agreed to days before. It's that idea, right? We've made a decision as a club. So-and-so is going to be in charge for the cup for, uh, the cup semi-final. You know, that, that's happening regardless of whether Van Bronckhorst comes in today, tomorrow, or next Wednesday. Um, so <clears throat> we know he's coming in. Let's just you know, um, appoint, them, appoint them in a couple of days to, you know, smokes and mirrors type idea so that people think that we've been out and done our thorough research, but really it would be wasting time because we want Van Bronckhorst in. But I, I think possibly the talks took longer because of all these, uh, you know, these kind of minor details or major details for the club that, that need ironed out. Yeah, but I know, but yeah, well, obviously we'll touch on the Rangers kind of situation obviously through the next couple of weeks. You know, a massive few weeks for Rangers as Giovanni Van Bronckhorst gets settled in the job. But we've we've went a wee bit over time when it comes to the Rangers Hibs game. But we'll we'll bring Wilson in for his SPFL roundup. Wilson, quickly give us a wee rundown of what happened in the Championship, League One and League Two. Well, League Two, as usual, Kelty out of sight. <laughs> they, just, they just keep the, the train going, you keep winning. One's a big one for Stranra. Um, and Edinburgh City, I thought. Cowden <coughs> Beath rooted to the bottom of the league and a win for fourth as well. The big result in the first was Cove Airdrie, one and two now, which keeps them top of the league. Um, but also ones for Dumbarton, Clyde, Peterhead, and a big one for Mentosa, Wake Falkirk as well, keeps them going. Don't even want to talk about the championship because I was at the Kelly game on Saturday and oh my goodness, that was awful. Absolutely awful. And I've actually noticed, and I've touched on this last couple of weeks, as Rory will know, the Kelly fans aren't happy with Tommy Wright. Now, I would be amazed if they, if they, hmm. you know, if the board decided to change the manager when they're sitting top of the league. Um, but there's a, there's a big few games coming up. I think that they play Queens Park in the cup, and then I think they're away in their next. I think they're away in Inverness and Wraith Rovers in their next few games before it's they looking, played Dunfermline at home. It's looking at Queens Park like banana skin, by the way. Aye. No, Kelly will be there. It's, it's looking about like a two-sided league that championship, isn't it? Well, no, because there's only two, only two points separate the top five. And as I say, now again, there's, there's a bit of a gap uh, between Aye, that's what I mean. Well, six and ten. The first five look back, look there's there's, there's the, what, one point between bottom and sixth. Um, and say, Dunfermline now won two games in the bounce with John Hughes. Partick keep winning, you know, and Roth obviously keep winning, and Wraith, Wraith won as well. So, our predictions might not be as bad as we, we felt. Who, who, who said, somebody said Hamilton right enough. Who was that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wraith, 
Rafe must be buying on the door at top now, are they? Joint top. They're joint top, aye. Yeah, aye. Joint, They're good to joint watch. Top, the biggest team in Ayrshire. Um, but if they stand, if they, I mean, that's kind of lost four home games. Nah, no, that's, that's, that's four home games they've lost. And of course, I blame the pitch, obviously, but <laughs> honest to goodness, they were they were awful on Saturday. You know, how I, was absolutely... how was Joel Newbley? He's been unbelievable. A few he times up, he's also just... player of the week this week. He just he just runs. You know, he just playing He runs into channels well. Um, he, he won a few headers. He's big. He's physical. He, he can carry the ball. He didn't see much of a goal threat. They didn't really create that many chances apart from uh, the corners. Um, the penalty was a stonewall penalty, but it was some save from Zach Hemming. Um, but as I, as David, I said, David was, Martindale said before the game on Saturday that he would absolutely be back in the Livingston strip come January. Ah uh, well, Arbroath could get relegated then. Um, <laughs> no, no. To be fair, to be fair, they were they were very well structured, very well disciplined. Um, a few crosses into the box, but not. But their main threat came from set pieces. Um, but it was a, a terrible result and the, the fans let them know and then I was just kind of surfing the, the, the social media pages like it's Tommy out already <laughs> sitting top of the league but um, I think the four four uh, losses at home uh, doesn't do him any favours either I just it's, I, I wouldn't be surprised but I wouldn't be surprised if Kelly make a change come the new year there you go there's see, a reprodition oh wow well, see, wow. see if um, see if say for instance Tommy Wright does go did Kelly go down the route of like Kevin Thompson or something like that who's doing a good job at, at Kelly? Like, is that the route that you would want? I think you spoke before like, about Peter Lovingcast is one of the names that you picked to it. Is it? Is it um, can Kelly have been doing one of their routes if, like a younger, a younger, like a young appointment rather well, than I, I, I mean, I would imagine Kevin Thompson's in mere money at Kelly Hearts and he would be Omar, to be fair. Um, no, I don't think so now. I, I, I think. You know, Tommy Wright was the appointment. I think they thought he would keep keep Kelly up. Um, I think it's just league uh, boss for Kilmarnock this season. Like, I, yes, yes, I I would agree with Rory on can that. I, can I just say as well, in my opinion, no disrespect to teams in it. That's the poorest championship in terms of stature of clubs and yeah. overall standard for a long, long, long time. And I think that if Kilmarnock don't go up this year, and you find it. Maybe a Dundee or a, a you know a Livingston or somebody drops down, it makes it a little bit more competitive, and then I, I, Kamal can very easy, very easily get caught up. I think I think you know league or bust is is absolutely correct this year. Yeah, and then then I think if Kelly didn't get promoted, um, then yeah, I would be all I would all for try something something new because again, in in, in folk have had a go at me for the things I've said on this channel about Kamal, like. <laughs> You've got to remember, Tommy Wright lost his first five games when he came into Kilmarnock. Everyone blames Alex Dyer, everyone blames the board, and I, everyone still blames Allegri, and everyone still blames Bobby Fleeton, you know? Allegri. Allegri? <laughs> Allegri. <laughs> Allegri. <laughs> How did he get this? That was my exclusive. And it's bizarre the things that go on. And as I say, Tommy. Right has signed all of those players. It's not as if he can oh, turn around. Yeah, so. Aye, and I know it takes time, but I mean they are top of the league, and you would think, my God, imagine Saturday man's at top of the league. But it just it, something just didn't sit sit right yesterday. The punters were quite nervous, and I know they maybe the expectations, and we're still living off the yeah, stage. That's, that's because like they're playing our growth, and I'm not being disrespectful disrespectful to our growth, but our growth are pushing beyond like what their expectations are. Let's let's be honest. 
Oh, I, th- I think it's a nerves thing because yeah. I see they've lost at home a party, Inverness, is that Hamilton as well, Wraith as well. And you're thinking, wait a minute here. You know, this guy's come in, he's... he's that, that must mean what have they, uh, they, must, they must have won nearly every game away from home in that case. I, 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 I think, think they'd be fantastic. Must yeah. have been a care out in the bus on the way home. <laughs> um, fish suppers and all that. Um, but yeah, yesterday, they would honestly, they would have been lucky to get beat Stuart yesterday. That's how poor they were. The balance in midfield's no right way. Olsen, Polworth, McGinn. And McGinn was the one, he's neat and tidy, it's sideways and backwards at this fashionable position is, but he, he, he was the kind of one they took off and then there was just a, a hole there and that's when Newbley kind of come into the game a wee bit, driving <clears> all that. And as I say, you, you couldn't you couldn't say that was a disgrace at Arbroath when you were actually thinking, a draw may be a fair result, but Arbroath, you know, took the chance for the corner. Kelly, well, we need to give a mention to our, our friend that Campbell because every week they're just they're, they're just pulling it out. So I, I tell you what, it was a wee bit kind of Martin and celebration about him as well. He's running <laughs> down the fair. touchline a wee bit. Well, I, uh, I think Big Rab Douglas had to hold him back um, <laughs> a wee bit, um, but it would actually be interesting. Um, I would actually like to go back. My, my season tickets are in the main stand because. The dugouts are right in the stand at Rugby Park now. So they, they don't have the, the, the kind of cubes around them or anything, you know. And I'm wondering what they're shouting at Tommy right because, as I say, it's... Do you it's think, Wilson, given you did not want to see Tommy right in charge in the first place, you were quite vocal about that, you were quite passionate about that, do you think that, given how you felt before it, that's why you're maybe seeing things, given the top of the league you're maybe seeing things worse than they actually are. I appreciate the facts are there in terms of the home results, but the top of the league, you think maybe your feelings before it and then when it happened and now are tainting your view of what's actually happening? No. I, I mean, I, again, you, you, you expect you expect to pay your money, you're allowed an opinion. Um, oh, no, absolutely. I, I'm just I, I, asking I, the question. As I say, that, that's why, I mean, it was the gamble. Now, his remit was obviously to get promoted, win the championship or go through the playoffs, whatever he wants to do, get promoted. But the way they play is it's feeding into as you say, no disrespect to other teams, but see when you're just playing long balls, high ball, I mean they changed they took off Shaw, I think, and they brought on Scott Robinson and they were still chucking high balls into the box. Now the Arbroath defenders are going, this is absolutely tremendous. He didn't try and play. Now Chris Burke tries to play and him and Hodgson in the <coughs> right side look okay in the first half, doing wee bits, but then he thought, right, let's nullify them. The second half, Burke didn't get a kick, and then was eventually subbed off. Um, but I expect just to try and play a wee bit. They don't try and play. Would it's you more... rather be third or fourth in the playoffs and playing more attractive football and it being well, more... I, well, I've seen Rafe a couple of times. Rafe try and play football in, Vernes try and play, and they're sitting you know, near the top as well. But as I say, going back to the choice of manager... You know, I, I think Kelly have gambled in terms of let's get Tommy Wright to get his back up. And I, I, mean, I hope he does, of course I do. But if he doesn't, then I'd be looking down the route of, well, let's, we need to go back to the start. You know, we need to go back to the start. Let's maybe get a young manager in, maybe build a team, your Kevin Thompson, whoever can, can come in. Um, I just felt at the time, and I was vocal about not wanting Tommy Wright in because I didn't think Tommy Wright was going to change anything dramatically from what Alex Dyer did. And eventually, well, you could argue last season I was proved right because he didn't keep his in the league. And the two performances that he's all saw against Dundee, now, again, do we blame the manager? Do we blame the players? Whatever it is, you know, he still failed in his first remit, in, in my opinion. 
Now, I'm not family. I've never met the guy. I don't know the guy. I think his job, I think they employed Tommy Wright to keep command in the Premier League. Failed to do that. I actually thought Tommy Wright might have walked. I thought he might have walked. Then he was given assurances. He was given not money to spend on players, but money to get his players in and you know clear a lot of the, 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 the others out. And as I say, yeah, you'd be thinking mental to sack him when you're sitting top of the league. But as I say, there's grumblings from the supporters. Now, I'm not one of them, by the way, but there's grumblings from the supporters already. Sounds like him, mate. No, not at all. Can I fool those? I just back the manager. Might not be happy with who they choose, but you've always got to back them. But as I say, I just, again, it's, going back, doesn't point, watch this show. it's going back It's going back to your point about Jack Ross. You know, you were kind of a pop about Jack Ross. Jack Ross still failed at Sunderland from his remit. And as I say, you said he came into Hibs with a shambles. Hibs had won the Scottish Cup, you know, so they, they, they weren't. As I say, I just didn't see the link there. I didn't see Hibs with a shambles. You said they were, you said they were a shambles from Jack Ross come on. I said you no, I didn't see a shambles. I said you look at where they were, they weren't third. Well, no third now. <laughs> no, but they finished they finished they finished they won, third last they season was my point. I didn't I didn't see they were a shambles. I didn't see they were a shambles. I said you look at where they were to where they are now. Do you think they're you better be, off now than where they were under Alan Stubbs? I think so, yeah. Maybe, maybe they won the nineteenth of December then and got a trophy um, as well that Alan Stubbs did so and they also lost the League Cup final that year as well. So I, I'm, I'm surprised. I, I just I just don't see it with Jack Ross at all. I just don't think that's the right club for him. How did, think, the, how did Jack Ross come up again? We're talking about these tactical news today. All right. Aye. 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 So, again, I'd be surprised if Kilmarnock did change manager. Um, but, as I say, I, I wouldn't be too surprised <laughs> if they did. Right, we'll move on to, we'll wrap up the show just here. We've got, obviously, we'll talk about what's coming up during the week. We've got Ross County play Hibs in their rearranged fixture on Wednesday <coughs> and Celtic are away to Bayer Leverkusen on Thursday as Rangers take on Sparta Prague at home in Giovanni Van Bronco's first game. We'll just get around the panel quickly. Wilson, give us your predictions for the three games. First, Ross County versus Hibs. Well, I wonder if Hibs maybe suffer a bit of a hangover, but this must be one of our getting a games in hand. Um I'll go a draw on that one, but I'll go by a Leverkusen to win and I'll go Rangers to win. Shankers, the three games, give us a quick prediction. Uh, Hibs, Hibs, is it Hibs away? Hibs are away, yeah. I think it'll be one goal in it. Uh, Hibs, probably. Hibs, one goal in it. Uh, I wouldn't see them. He's on Leapfrog, St. Mon. So, so Hibs, Hibs won now. I'll go um, Celtic away to buy Leverkusen. Yep. I think they'll be too strong for, for them, to be honest. Uh, I think Frampong will be playing Shankers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they'll be too strong. I watched the game <coughs> when Leverkusen came to the park and, and they were a, a right good side, well built. Um, they've got a lot of top players, so They'll be too strong for, for Celtic. And I think Rangers, they will, they must bounce back. Uh, they know they know a, a win by, I think it might be two goals and, and it could see them all right. So I think they'll win. Whether they win by two goals or not um, is a different, different question. But I think Rangers will win on Thursday. Um, it has to be a, a bounce back. New manager actually in the dugout after a week's training. Uh, I think. It, sometimes when there's a new manager comes in, you, you, for some reason, 
whether whether you've not been doing well, and a uh, and a new manager comes in, see like said Ben Fairman, not been doing well, and then Broadview comes in and, and two runs in the bounce. Just that you got a, a really least a life, but Rangers are, are sitting uh, decent in, in the league and stuff like that. They've maybe not been performing well, but they've been getting results at times. But off the back of the result of the day, I think uh, they have to bounce back. Rory, give us quick predictions on the Ross County versus Hibs, Leverkusen versus Celtic, and Rangers versus Sparta Prague. Right, uh, Ross County versus Hibs, 1 each. 4 2 Leverkusen. I know Celtic like a high scoring game um, in Europe. Um, they're susceptible to the back, but can certainly score goals. So we'll go 4 2 home win. Um, and 2 1 Prague. Okay, I'm going to go for, I think Hibs will beat Ross County. I'm going to go 2-0 Hibs. I think Leverkusen will beat Celtic, but I do fancy Celtic to score at least once. I'll go 3-1 Leverkusen. And I do fancy Rangers to bounce back. I think they will beat Sparta Prague. I think they'll just edge it though, maybe 2-1. And that is going to be our looking at the the week. I want to thank Wilson Shag. Can, can I just ask one more question? Sorry. To you guys, this is going to be a piss take. I know that's <laughs> <laughs> genuinely not. That's genuinely not. And I promise next week I'll get some names right. Next week, what? Yeah, and this was what I was going to ask. I, I, I put it on the chat the other night. What now? That same thing. So you can't put anything on Van Bronckhorst for today. What constitutes success for Van Bronckhorst between now and May? Win the league. Uh, I win the league. I think win the league for the, the financial just, and just, mm-hmm. right. So I if he doesn't win the league, it's a failure. I, I yeah, would, I think so. Yeah, but I I think, I, just because you're you sitting four points clear, league, yeah. you're sitting four points clear. You haven't played well. The financial implications of what the champ, what obviously the Champions League could be this season. I think they have. I think that it's they do need to win the league. I think it's again. What when do you, does Van Bronckhorst get more? If things were, if things were to go wrong. Would Van Bronckhorst get more time than Gerard because of Van Bronckhorst's time at Rangers as a player? Because Gerard well, did by himself you, time. That's what you need to, that was my next question asking the SPL refs. Will they be under as much pressure from Gerard? You know, they, you know, will Van Bronckhorst put them under pressure the same way Gerard did to get their penalties and red cards, etc. I mean uh, Rory was right, basically. The questions were gonna be a pissed it. No, no, the first question was the first <laughs> one. The first one. <laughs> the first I one, think uh, I, think, I think I think I think I think he's got a lot to I think he's got a lot to sort out off the pitch as well with contract situations with yeah. decisions on players who plays who Disney play. I think success would definitely need to be winning the league, getting into the Champions League, but getting a settled, happy squad together to the end of the season, offloading whoever needs offloaded, and then looking at bringing his own his own in as well. Um, to answer your question, Pikey, absolutely will not get the same time Gerard did. In my opinion, Gerard not Gerard did not get extra time because he's Stephen Gerard. Stephen Gerard came into Rangers in a very unique set of circumstances. It is not acceptable not to win a trophy for two seasons in a row at Rangers. The circumstances dictated Stephen Gerard kept That's his job. I, mean. not, I don't think Van Bronckhorst would get that time. If Van Bronckhorst didn't win that, a trophy in two seasons, I don't think he would get the time. I was asking... That, that, no, no, no but you, you say no, but you said Stephen Gerrard did because of his name. He didn't. He got it because of the set of circumstances, not because of Stephen Gerrard. And that's my opinion on it. Um, no, I, th- I think other... he was a bold gamble. That's what I'm saying. I think he was a bold gamble, and I don't think they, they wanted to back off until. Yes, but, that... but my point is, if Van Bronckhorst had been appointed at that place and time, or any any manager that they went with, they were sticking with that. Ma- barring disaster, yeah, and probably. Yeah, they were that. sticking. So it was nothing to do with Stephen Gerrard, who was Stephen Gerrard. If it was Van Bronckhorst, he'd get that time. 
it's unacceptable not to win two trophies in a row, uh, in two, uh, a trophy in two years. And if Van Bronckhorst doesn't win the league this year, he'll be under serious pressure. And if he's not in a position where he's looking like he's going to win another trophy by Christmas next year, he'll be there. Um, if, he, if he loses, if he loses, well, not loses, if he doesn't win the league and wins the Scottish Cup and he's maybe moved on a couple of players, maybe got a few in, is that a success? Or is no, it only the league? No. <laughs> I think just because of what's at stake this season with the, with the league and, and by the time that the league's decided he will have had enough time to put his impact and, and stuff like that on the team. So it's not as if he's he's took over with six weeks to go and, and he's not really had enough time to stamp his authorities. He's taken over right now and by that time in, in May when the title, well, presume it will be around about May time with how kind of close it is. The, the time the, the honours are, are getting dashed out, he'll have had enough time to put his own stamp on this Rangers team. So, I think it's a full, full calendar year, Shankers. It'll be a full calendar year. It'll be next Christmas before you can turn around and go, that's Giovanni Van Bronckhorst full making, full lineup. That's his team, that's his squad, yeah. this is how successful they are. But he definitely won't get this time that Steven Gerrard got. No Rangers manager have, on his table. I, I still think it would be a, a failure, of course, if he doesn't win the league because he is the. He is the manager he will be for what seven, eight months by, by the end of the season if they if they don't win the league. So I think anything that what happened, it was a failure if you don't win the league, just because how much is at stake. Just the same as I think the Celtic manager would, would possibly be, be a, well, it was maybe hard for them because of how uh, for last season. But I think it would also probably be a failure if Celtic don't win the, the league either, just because of how much is at stake for Financially, for, for both clubs, probably I would say there's maybe more pressure on Rangers just because of the kind of numbers and stuff like that that they, they put out. Because financially, they almost need to. to it's win. easier to it's easier for Rangers to see on a twelve month rolling. Yeah, I think he is. I. What 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 if he doesn't win the league but wins the Europa League? Would that be? Oh, we just got to sit here and go through every scenario. <laughs> What if, he wins the, what if he wins the tenant sixes? <laughs> see, see, just a quick one. I was going to tenant sixes. That's a campaign Rory, we could start. Rory mentioned the um, the contract situation. What would you do with Conor Goldson if he's no one to sign a contract and he doesn't want to say? Would you still play him to the end of the season? Where he's basically almost saying that he hasn't. He hasn't come out. He's going to be on to plums in January when Stephen Gerrard's phone starts ringing. It. That's the thing, though. Like, that's the thing. Gaffer, Gaffer. Because I don't think... For Aston Villa? No, Goldson. I'm joking. I'm taking the mic. I'm saying, I'm saying Goldson will be trying to get a hold of him and he'll not be answering. Somebody will, somebody will take a punt on him, right? But his, his performances this season on comparison to last season... I don't. I think last season he gets a better a better move than, than what he does this season. If I'm watching him and he's, he's struggling against Martin Boyle and Nisbet, then I don't want to see him against uh, Manny and Salah if he's if he's playing in, in in England. So I do think he gets a move, but I'm I'm like I'm just upset. I think he'll I think he'll stay in the team because there's not many options there. But I think revolutionised himself back I, in Brighton. I know there is that, being but... on a being on a free being on a free you'll get Goldson a bumper move in terms of the club you'll go to who take a wee punt on him um, and they probably will get a bottom end <coughs> prem team top end champ team but probably in the premiership if um, he stays in the team and does well between now and the end of the season because he's on a free um, it's, it's huge for a club if they don't need to pay a transfer fee for a player he's speaking, he's speaking the way I see him speaking right now 
he doesn't look as if he's his body language and stuff like that. Looks as if he's somebody that's, that's why he's signed a contract. I mean, we'll never, many of us will know what, what's been said and what's happening in the meetings, but if, if Glasgow Rangers are offering somebody like a contract and he's, if he doesn't take it in almost straight away, then he, he's what to go in it because it shouldn't it really take. But the length of time that it's taken for somebody to sign a new contract with the, like the club, the size of Rangers and the size of Celtic. He's, he's English as well. He obviously has aspirations to go back down and, and play in the Premier League if he can. So I, I think if he's not signed up now, then he's not going to sign up. Is he a free in January? Is he well? Uh, in no, January, he can no, sign no, a free contract. <laughs> so, Shanker, say you were the manager, right? And the Conor Goldson, say, say you're the manager and Conor Goldson comes and says, Look, Gaffer, I don't like to sign the contract. I'm not saying I want to leave, but. Come January, I'm going to be on a free. You know, gives you legitimate reasons. Look, ideally, I'd like to be based down south. I want to test myself. I want to play in the Premier League. So I don't want to commit to the contract. I love it up here, etc., etc. And you know that information. Do you then think it's good for the football club to go and announce that publicly? Because as a fan, you'll sit there and go, oh, they've got to tell us something. Something should be said. But really, when you're in that environment, and you're in that situation, is that the best thing to do? I don't... I... I don't think it's good announcing it. Uh, I, I really don't. I, I just don't think... You know how fickle Rangers Celtic supporters are. If, if Conor goes in, they know he's he's almost going away. He's agreed, say he's agreed to sign another club and they know that. And Conor goes is a bad game. And what, you know what's going to go down. It's, it's not going to be pretty, basically. A lot of folk are not happy with his, his interview after, uh, after the game, the day and stuff like that. I know... When it comes to January, that will all be forgotten <coughs> and stuff like that. But I don't, I don't think it would be a, a clever idea just because it, you, you know how how bad old Trump supporters are and, and they're so quick to turn on players and stuff like that when you have a bad game, Rory. You've been at, been at Rangers and, and played with. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure there's. there's You're always there. on me for bringing that up. Thanks for bringing that up. Jeez, what, what is it? <laughs> I says I can't mention that without getting stick. Now you're bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you you, you can have it as if if you're not doing well with supporters on the on the. Look, when Carlisle under twenty threes came in for me. There was rumblings amongst the support, but um, <laughs> I managed to get out there alive. I <laughs> uh, but the, the the supporters on the long and, and letting you know so. If if they went and announced right, Conor Goldson's agreed to go to Bournemouth and I don't uh, mean sign the pre-contract. I mean Disney want to sign the contract between now and January is what I mean. All right. Um, so the current the current situation, if he's had a conversation with Steven Gerrard, and I picked Steven Gerrard just because it's been him the last two months, and he's saying, right. "Look, Gaffer, I don't want to sign it at the moment. I want to wait to January because I want to be based down south. I want to test myself. However, I love it here, and I'm not saying I don't want to stay here, but I just want to see what's out there. I think as a human being. That's a reasonable thing to say to somebody. I think I, that's a reasonable... I think he, wa- he wanted he want to see if he, if, if he can get a Premier League move. Right, so that's reasonable. But is, it, but is it is it good sense to then announce that publicly because the fans no. are demanding an answer? It's not. I don't think either. Because no, he's damned if he does and he'd be damned if he doesn't. Uh, exactly. so I, think keep, keep I, think, I think Rangers have to play him because obviously Hollander's injured, Cartage is injured, the boy Simpson's a bit raw. You know, so there's not that many <laughs> options. But as yeah. well as that, as well as that, if you're Rangers, if you're looking for a Rangers point of view, do you want to get get a bit of money for? I'm not saying you'll get a bumper deal, but you might get a, a million quid or something. Just I think the value, avoid losing them for free. The value of Conor Goldson in January 
I'll be nowhere near Conor uh, Golson's value. Conor Golson's value. Aye, that's what I mean. So like, I think they would rather lose him for free and have him playing to potentially win. No, saying he'll win Rangers League, but yeah. you know they know what he can do. Uh, they know what he can do so they would rather he played six months to the end of the season and left for free and helped Rangers win the league that and, and then they, that lets them get that the Champions League money and sell them for £1 million in, uh, in January uh, and they've got right we've not got Conor Goldson but we've got £1 million and you go and get somebody who's played to, to Conor Goldson's level say last year for one for, you can't get that so I think it's got to the stage where probably more than happy to let his contract run down as long as he gets the performances that he has been and helps him win the league. I think I think if Rangers were offered right now one million pounds for Conor Goldson in January or Conor Goldson plays, he goes for free and they win the league. I think they're taking that one because it financially it works out better for them. Right, let's wrap up the show there. I want to obviously, Rory's behind batteries went, but we'll thank Wilson and Shankers for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. A beautiful Sunday, Scott. A beautiful Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> right, thanks very much to everyone that's tuned in. As always, please subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Thanks very much, everyone. We'll see you soon. Cheers. <laughs>